0: Welcome back, Literary Slummers, to another episode of
1: Shelf Aware, the podcast where we read books outside of our comfort zones. I'm Em. And I'm Anna. This week on Shelf Aware, we are continuing our listener submitted unit on prehistoric fiction. Thank you, Brad, for this wonderful suggestion for a unit. We read The Land That Time Forgot by Edgar Rice Burroughs. Um, What would you think, Em? <laughs> okay
0: so racism and sexism aside which you want to talk about the low people in the philippines mm, yeah 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 that was a rough <laughs> that was cool to see. that was a cool great moment from mr burroughs um mm-hmm. but taking you know if if we are going to be uh, uh I don't want to be, like, cutting him slack about it, but, you know, like, be like, okay, he was writing in the early 1900s. Obviously, he didn't there's, use any slurs. Uh, <laughs> obviously, uh. there's going to be racism and sexism <laughs> because he's a white privileged man writing in the 1900s. Like, yeah. pin in that. We'll get into it perhaps later. But that aside, <laughs> I was like, I do get why people like his books, I think. You do? I do, because I was like, this isn't great writing. But it felt it felt and I read some reviews of his books by other like contemporary writers of his and stuff. And it felt to me like they probably held the place that like Marvel movies hold for us of like mm. some people are like they're really great and deep and meaningful. And some people are like they're not. And that means they're bad. We just bad. want to watch hot people
1: punch stuff. And some whatever. people are like
0: oh, we just want to watch hot people punch stuff. I feel like. He wasn't trying. He's just writing adventure novels to entertain people, mm-hmm. and that's fine. And maybe he was trying to make a political point with a couple of these things, but I certainly didn't follow. Um, and it was Media. it was fine. Like it was, you know, stuff was happening ish, and it was interesting enough to keep me going. I didn't I didn't hate it. I think is where I landed. I it's not my cup of tea, but didn't hate it. How about you?
1: I I feel like this was the complete opposite of the Clan of the Cave Bear book, where it's Mm -hmm. like, you have what could potentially be cool stuff happening, Mm -hmm. but you've chosen to write out just a list Mm. of like, there is no, I don't know if this was like, writing styles cannot have changed so much in the past 100 years to where this was like an acceptable thing to pick up and just be like, the main character is like, here are the things that happened to me. I'm not going to embellish them in any way. <laughs>
0: and then just like list them out. <laughs> I think also this was a very early sci-fi thing of, um we found a story and it's a true story. And so, the man is writing it as a diary and it's so it's that's how he's you know like the framing device because that's how this is framed right like it's like some guy finds this message in a bottle or something right like thermos 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 yes um so like very I think Frankenstein is that way too and I feel like there's a lot of other ones from like especially this time period of like and this is the way that we make sci-fi we have a framing device in which someone mm. is is found this mysterious note about some experiment and it's like okay well cool but also we don't need yeah. to do this you can just you can just tell me <laughs> just the story <laughs> like-
1: yeah I just from the amount of time that he spent explaining the German U-boat shenanigans, like, mm-hmm. four whole chapters. This is a ten-chapter long book. Four whole chapters were spent just in a, in a submarine with none of, the, like, the prehistoric stuff going on. And then we get to the island, and it just becomes, like, here... He's like, I'm tired of writing this now. I'm just going to <laughs> list out the things that were on my timeline, and you can kind of fill in the gaps for me. Like,
0: <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, which is why I'm like, I get, I get it. Like, of just... Again, people didn't this have TV. This like TVs. a serialized book, too. Just being like, hey, wouldn't that be neat? A T-Rex. A T-Rex ate a man. Like, wouldn't that be interesting? Cool. And it's like, yeah, I guess. Cool. Okay, sure. It kind of gives me the vibes of, like, um, <laughs> those, like, Disco- I want to say it was, like, Discovery Channel. It might have been Animal Planet. But, like, the shows where they would be like, who would win in a fight, a T-Rex or an Allosaurus? And then they would just, like, Make up a bunch of shit about like what oh a gosh, fight, yes. yeah, like that sort of thing. I feel like that was kind of this vibe, right? If he was
1: like, yeah,
0: wouldn't it be neat? Okay, I've given
1: you all of the. Imagine of it the, for me. I'll set up the premise. You imagine it and tell me how cool it would be. You
0: do the rest. <laughs>
1: Yes, I I definitely struggled with this book because of that. Um, I also, I listened to it on audiobook. Mm. So I'm a little bit worried because I, I was, I, there was a lot of copies of this on Scribd, Scribd, whatever. Um, And some of them were like abridged and some of them weren't. And some of them were like the full three books of the trilogy together Mm -hmm. bound up and like, so I listened to an audiobook that was like the three books all together. But this was like part one. But I don't remember anyone getting eaten by a T-Rex. So was this like. Uh, so oh, the the T-Rex thing was that,
0: to be fair, uh, oh, I've read oh, the God. synopsis of the later two books. So okay. one guy <laughs> who they found. Well, they did get eaten by the T-Rex. It was he found the grave. He found of, the grave. Yeah. yeah. But that yeah. didn't actually happen on page.
1: Yes. Which is like, whatever. It does
0: happen on page in book three, I believe. Is when okay. the, that actually Okay. Happened.
1: I was like, did I read an abridged copy yeah, that was like yeah. the T Rex was too brutal, we couldn't include it. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's
0: it's uh, referenced in this one, but it doesn't actually happen until book three. Because the okay. second book is a different guy gets crash landed on this island and finds a hot lady. Um, and then the third of one course. is the guy who was leading the expedition. Bradley. Bradley it's his whole story about the expedition and him finding a hot lady. So
1: awesome. awesome. Yeah.
0: Always important. Um, but before we get too far into this book, let's talk a little mm-hmm. bit about the genre. Yeah. Prehistoric fiction. What is it? It's fiction about prehistoric stuff. That's Dumb. pretty much it. We All got right, it. Here's the summary
1: of the book. We did it. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> so I want to give a big shout out to, uh, uh, steve trussell who i don't know at all and haven't looked into but he yet does you're on this, a
1: first and last name basis with him
0: he has a website okay where he <laughs> has collected basically every instance of prehistoric fiction and oh. al- in chronological order so thank wow. you for that that was super tight very helpful so the first prehistoric fiction was uh, probably uh, by this dude named Pierre Bottard, um, Mm a French guy who wrote a book that translates to, I'm not going to try to say the French title. We all know how that goes. But the uh, English translation is Antediluvian Studies, Paris Before Man. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's more of like a survey of like what was going on in prehistoric times in what would now be Paris um it's not really necessarily a novel but a lot of people refer to it as a novel um but it's not like again you know 1800s nobody knew what novels were
1: yeah they were just like a lot of words together on the page yeah it
0: was like (laughs) fictional because it was this guy making up what prehistory was like but it wasn't like there was a main character or a plot necessarily.
1: Um, No, yeah, just like a think piece. It was like a medium article.
0: Yeah, but this is what a lot of like the prehistoric fiction for early, early prehistoric fiction was, was basically just um, people kind of inspired by sort of the science that was going on in the 1800s, like Darwin and all that sort of stuff and being like, wow, this is cool. Let's imagine what it might have been like. And there were a lot Mm -hmm. of like essays and books that were kind of written on this subject of like, what was it like? when it was prehistory, probably there were dinosaurs. Um, And that kind of went on for a while. Eventually we kind of got more character driven stuff. Um, I actually read one of them by Andrew Lang called the romance of the first radical, just because I know Andrew Lang from, He's the guy who collected a lot of fairy tales. So I was like, oh, this might be interesting. It Mm -hmm. was not. Um, But it gets kind of, I know, right? It gets kind of into this sort of uh, vibe of, like, more, what's the word I'm looking for? Allegory sort of idea of, like, prehistory and using prehistory as, like, a way to uh, explore themes of, like, what is man and, like, what mm-hmm. are universal truths and that sort of stuff, which again is very like 1800s, late 1800s, like imperialism, like what are what makes a person a person sort of thing going on. Yeah. Right. Um, So as we get more into the 1900s, fucking everybody starts doing this shit. We've got H.G. <laughs> Wells. We've got Rudyard Kipling. We've got fucking uh, uh, Sherlock Holmes dude. We've got Jack yeah. London. Everybody's up in this bitch. Just like, yes, we have to write
1: a prehistoric novel. <laughs> we love it. We want it. It's everybody craves it. It's like when YA vampires and and dystopian trilogies became yes, really popular. Yes, it was
0: so hot. I also found um, in the 1800s,
1: there is a, a comic series by
0: uh, Edward Tennyson, who is a fairly well-known political cartoonist of that time, Called Prehistoric Peeps, which Hmm. all of that seems like it shouldn't have been written in 1893, but it was. Um, But yeah, so we get kind of further down the line. People start just going crazy for this more, still kind of using it allegorically, but also like as we see as we go on to, like, Edward Rice Burroughs, more of just, like, an action piece. Um, and Edgar Rice Burroughs mm-hmm. did write other stuff that was also, also took place in prehistoric settings. This specific one is in the sub-genre of sci-fi known as Lost World, uh, which is basically, like, oh, it's the world or a world, and then they find a world that has been somehow um, hidden, hidden or taken yeah. away from the rest of the world. Back when that was more feasible... I mean like even now you've got like Atlantis the Lost Empire Disney movie you know like is technically mm. a lost world story right of like oh it's just it's just hidden down there don't worry about it <laughs> we just didn't go deep enough it doesn't go deep enough it's there <laughs> but yeah we move on into uh more modern times we kind of saw Clan of the Cave Bear was like fairly popular but in general not a super popular genre these days um, mm-hmm. Maybe because we did more archaeology, so it's less like you can't just make stuff up like people were doing yeah. in the eighteen hundreds and nineteen hundreds. People will call you on that shit, so it's less fun, <laughs> and you have to do more research. Um, maybe people Gotta just got your shit. Yeah, maybe days. people just got better at like creating fantasy worlds, so they didn't have to be like mm. set it in our time but earlier because we can't conceive of a different world. <laughs> I don't know, it's it's uh, certainly not as popular as it was, but I mean, obviously people still write the occasional uh, dinosaur fic, mm-hmm. and we, th- it kind of gets into this, like, okay, what is prehistoric, what counts as prehistoric fiction, um, does this book that we read really count, because it doesn't take place in prehistory, it just has this, like, slice of prehistory in it, but then you've got stuff like Jurassic Park, where it's like, okay, well, the Dinosaurs are prehistoric,al but nothing else about it. But is. not the science, right? So it's like, okay, does it just have to have dinosaurs for it to count? I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. like, is uh, is Encino Man prehistoric fiction? Because <laughs> yes, it's a you know cave person from prehistory, but <laughs> yes. it takes place in <laughs> Encino. Anyway, that's prehistoric fiction.
1: Oh, cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just it's not. Easy to romanticize prehistory anymore, and I think you kind of have to come to it with like a, like a, like you said, like a more scientific edge, like a hard sci-fi situation. And that's
0: a lot less fun, I think, yeah. than like the sort of adventure romps of the yeah. early 1900s. I'll just use dragons instead of exactly. dinosaurs. Exactly. Like why are, why are we bothering with this?
1: <laughs> the dragons in my book can do whatever the fuck I want them to do. <laughs> They can fly. Dinosaurs, we all know about them. <laughs> uh, so, okay. Let's talk about this book in particular. I, <laughs> But before we do. Oh, before we do, though. Yeah, you're right. We do have to talk about the books that we've been reading otherwise. I wish I didn't actually bring it up because
0: I haven't really been reading anything of oh note. boy. Um, I mean, like I say, I haven't been reading anything of note, by which I mean I've been reading a lot of stuff not of note um yeah
1: i do that too where i read stuff and i'm like i don't want everyone that listens to this podcast to know i read this because i know a lot of you in real life yeah 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 <laughs> right now i'm reading uh scale bright by
0: Benjamin and which is good so far i'm like 20 percent on the way through it's like some niece of some goddess and gods amongst mortals and demons and you know all the shit that i usually like yeah. um i've also been reading a lot of romance stuff recently uh Rent a Boyfriend by Gloria Chow was pretty good. Uh, Half a Soul by Olivia Atwater. The Dating Plan by Sarah Desai. Um, All those were pretty fun. Liked those. How about you?
1: I read a couple things. I read um, Upright Women Wanted by Sarah Gailey, which actually would have been like a really good choice for us for the Weird Western unit. Mm. Um, But it is... Not it's not it's in the future though it's like a dystopian United States where there was some sort of war, things went wrong. there's not like a ton of like previous world building I guess um but yeah, so it's like it takes place in the American Southwest and we've kind of reverted a little bit back to what it was like during the wild west days um but Esther runs away from home because of the her her best friend was killed for having um, unapproved reading materials Mm. and esther runs away from home because she feels like she is also tainted in some way um and so she's like i'm gonna go and be with the librarians because the librarians are like these moral upstanding citizens they travel from city to city bringing approved reading materials approved by the state so like who better to run away with so she she becomes a stowaway and when she um when she's found she quickly discovers that the librarians are actually a group of secretly queer women
0: love it love that for her
1: so um a secretly queer woman and a non-binary individual as well and she goes on an exploration of what it means to be an insurrectionist and a lesbian it's very good. Loving that. Yes, it was it was excellent and it's short. It was less than 200 pages. Um I also read I think which might be one of my favorite books of the year, um The Wisteria Society of Lady Scoundrels by India Holton. Everything which, about that
0: sounds like a book you'd like just from absolutely. the title. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> it is like it's a fantasy of manners about um a Victorian society Where women are pirates and can fly their own houses like you would fly a blimp or airplane. Yes. Um, And a a male captain pirate named Ned Lightborn is sent to assassinate Cecilia, who's the main character. Um, But he fails because Cecilia is really good at being a pirate. And um, he kind of falls in love with her immediately. And she's very standoffish about that. Then they have to go on an adventure together. It's fantastic. It was so, checks, it was just so
0: whimsical. All of the Anna boxes.
1: Absolutely it does. Absolutely it does. <laughs> and like the writing style was very reminiscent of Terry Pratchett. I think it was very good. I think it's her debut novel. Um, so definitely check it out. I'll have to check it and out. I, I'm also like, I have to admit this to somebody. I'm reading, I I decided, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to try out Dark Romance and see, see what all the hubbub's about. Mm. So I've been reading this like Mafia Romance. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like I like it and hate it at the same time.
0: I recently had a very similar experience with this where I read Mm -hmm. a book um, that was like, I'm not going to name it because I don't feel like it, but uh, it was very- (laughs) You
1: want to keep some secrets. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And I just, I don't know that, I like, I don't want to recommend it. Right. Oh, okay. Um, I see. It was like this girl who just absolute wild background- her mom was like a stripper, and her dad was secretly a billionaire. And her mom dies, and she also was stripping at age 15 to like pay for her mom's cancer treatments. But then, like this rich guy, like who's her dad's best friend, finds her and is like adopts her basically, and she has to live in a house with his five sons, and immediately like makes out with multiple sons. Um, mm. So it was just. A lot, and it wasn't yeah. good, right? It wasn't good, but I did have to read all three books because yeah, that's it was I like wild, gonna be. right? Like, it's like, yeah. it's not, I don't think I gained anything, but it was so wild. After I read mm-hmm. the first book, I had to, like, just... The next person I hung out with, I was like, I need to tell you every single plot detail of this
1: book, just because. Please tell me after we end this. Okay. okay. Podcast I recording will, session. I will go over it. <laughs> I just, I think it's so interesting that like, I maybe, maybe just me that the the people on social media that I follow in the circles that I tend to gravitate towards is like there's just this whole big like resurgence of hey. We read smut and we want books that have a lot of sex on the page. And I'm just like, we're all just like so open about the fact that we love reading really graphic sex. Like, it just feels very like it's very surreal at times. Like, We're all talking about porn, but that's all right. <laughs> the- <laughs>
0: the subtitle of this podcast
1: yes
0: (laughs) we're all talking about porn and that's all right and that's all right we love it I mean really what is anything but porn honestly everything truly everything can be porn of some type no I don't know where I'm going with that point um
1: I think you're referencing the that rule 34
0: no I think I'm more saying that like we we view sexuality in this like one Mm. specific place that we don't like it's like okay you read anything to get like a fantasy fulfilled whether that's yeah you know sexual or otherwise but like if it is a sexual fantasy somehow it becomes taboo right and it's like well like all of reading is escapism and imagining lives that are not our lives and it's Mm -hmm. you know everything's just porn it's you know like maybe sexual maybe like Man, I really wish I could kill a dinosaur
1: porn, you know? Yeah, yeah. I
0: would Speaking love of,
1: to shoot Neanderthals <laughs> with my gun that I brought. Um, yeah, so The Land that Time Forgot by Edgar Rice Burroughs is not romance or porn of any kind. I disagree. It is a romance. Un- es- escapism porn, excuse me. <laughs> it's not romantic porn, <laughs> sexual porn.
0: I think for the Uh, 1900s, one could make a case that Liz and What's-His-Face get a little bit uh, steamy with their longing look. They did
1: share some kisses. Mm -hmm. Uh, That whole thing. Okay. Um, As I mentioned, I listened to the audiobook of this. And I don't know, like, you might have more insight than I do on, like, the editing process for audiobooks and Mm -hmm. this wasn't like a LibriVox or like a volunteer situation I don't think I think this was like an official here's an audiobook recording of this public domain novel but the the, the person who the person who recorded the audiobook left in so many like (laughs) like the inhalations were all like (gasps) like and then he stumbled over words several times or like would very obviously slow down because like he was kind of you know tripping over his tongue a little bit <laughs> my <laughs> assumption like,
0: hmm. would be that that's probably uh a audiobook that technically had a producer but it was mm-hmm. like a producer that was like kind of one of the sh- shadier producers that's just like here's a bunch of public domain stuff yeah record it I'm not going to listen to it I'm just going to prove it just so someone will pay for it and yeah. maybe I'll make some money off of it you know that could be
1: that could be it was it was very funny to me at times. Yeah, that doesn't sound great. <laughs> Especially when you listen to it at like 1.5 or 2x speed, and they're already talking so quickly, and then you just get a bit of, <gasps> and then they keep going. It's like he really has to breathe, because he's talking so quickly. I have to quickly. edit that out. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and once I noticed it, I couldn't stop noticing it. See, you know? but now here's anyway. the thing.
0: We've talked about it now, so now either... People listening to this podcast are going to really be listening for our inhalations, mm. or I'm really going to have to edit all the inhalations out, which I do edit some of the inhalations out, especially during my That one. Because- there was one. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: all right, let's get them all out of the way now. <sighs> Enjoy that to listening. Give myself a heart attack over here.
0: <laughs>
1: oh, okay. So this book opens with like we said it's a frame story this guy finds a message in a bottle and he's like Ooh, read along with me because you won't be able to stop once you find out what this is all about and we're like okay
0: this man never shows up again at the end he's not no. like and i think he's, he's the main I, character of the second book but maybe that might be it but yeah. he doesn't even
1: come back at the end to be like no. wow what did it? you think of this tale yeah
0: it's not like <laughs> tales from the cryptkeeper or anything like that
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or even I was thinking like the, in Aladdin the way that yeah, it's yeah, framed. Yeah. <laughs> um so this book is set during World War 1 and this guy Bowen is an American guy who's he's floating around in the waters around Europe during World War 1 and his boat is sunk by a German U-boat. A German U-boat which his family designed yes oh my gosh he's very has very intimate knowledge of this german u-boat which leads him to like become the captain of it somehow in in coming up
0: which i initially thought that like this was a political move where it was like this man is like i've realized that the the instruments my family creates are instruments of war and that's bad but like like iron man (laughs) yeah but then he's like no, I don't really care about that. Do you hate Germans yeah. a lot? And it was just, I was like, oh, I thought this was maybe <laughs> going to be like an anti-war thing. But no, it's super. No, nope. it was just so that he could have intimate knowledge of the U-boat. Like, yeah, they cool. just he just
1: needed a reason to be in charge of it. <laughs> <laughs> so his boat sunk. He and this girl named Lis LaRue are rescued by some British Navy guys. Then this and Bowen's dog. I forgot Nobbs. It's his name is like the noble something something Crown
0: Prince Nobbs. Yes,
1: yes, and they just call him Nobbs. Um, he and this girl and the dog are rescued by some British Navy guys, and their boat immediately gets destroyed by the same German U boat that just blew up the first. <laughs>
0: I do wanna, I do wanna <laughs> dive a little deeper, haha. Submarine pun. Oh, oh into yeah, the, the, um, Moment when he first finds Liss, because oh like God. their boat's been blown up. Yeah, yeah, it's good. You're making a face. It's good. <laughs> 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 their boat gets blown up, and he's like in the water, in the wreckage, on like a lifeboat, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and he sees this girl in the water, just floating there with her like face out of the Trying water. Trying to survive. Well, I mean, and he's like, she's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Face down in the water? No, she's face up. This oh, is very okay, specific. Because okay. cause he's like, it's so angelic with her, her hair floating around her in the water. Um, And she's full of strength and femininity and vitality and flushed with the hue of life and health. And yet she lay there upon the bosom of the sea dead. Babe, if she's flushed with health and like seems super alive, maybe she's alive and you should check. But he doesn't check. He just vows to avenge her murder, which (laughs) what? Okay, sure. And then he, he falls in love with her immediately. Her dead ass body. And then he looks back and she's like breathing and alive and like, yo, help me. And he's like, oh, yeah. guess I could help.
1: Oh, yeah. I'll help you up into this tugboat.
0: <laughs> this is like such a classic uh, shitty dude response. Not all men. Shitty dude response Yeah. of like. This woman has been hurt. I shall avenge her instead of checking to see if we can help in any way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if she was alive, she
1: would have offered to help him immediately is the thing. (sighs) Anyway, the German U-boat destroys this British boat. But then there's like some sort of scuffle and Bowen and the Brits are able to take control of the U-boat. And they take like these 10 Germans captive. Cool. Then right. they have to float around for days and days and days because everyone thinks they're German. So they're attacking them on sight, even though they're like flying the ally colors or whatever. And they're like, hey, no, we're not German. We're British. And they're like, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> they just they fight them. Um, so they're sad about it. And they're like, well, what if we just go to like a neutral country's port and like post up there and talk to the authorities so that we can get this all sorted? Cool but then sabotage occurs. So, someone is going around the U-boat and is like breaking instrument panels and like at night n- making the boat go in the wrong direction and stuff <laughs> like that. <laughs> Just like <laughs> I don't understand. Okay. They are taking like solo shifts when they know there's like a secret mole on this U-boat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone everyone is deaf.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I feel like maybe it was manipulation by the mole, because it, as we get on it, you know, the mole is one of the people that Bowen trusts, who's like yeah. his second in a command British or whatever. A British person. Um, and we'll get more into that in a second. But perhaps that guy was like, oh, yeah, so-and-so's on watch with me tonight, so you go to bed while he gets up. And Mm. then just, it was just him. You know, like, I guess, because he was high enough in command that it maybe could have worked.
1: That could be, yes.
0: But the important part of this is that Bowen uh, believes for a bit that it might be Liss, because Liss is engaged to, coincidentally, to the German officer who is in charge of the Baron. The Baron, yes. Um, And he is fed some lies by the actual saboteur that that mm-hmm. person saw Liz going into the baron's room and talking to the baron and whatnot.
1: Yeah. So he so ben, Bowen is like, we'll talk to Liz about this. And he's like, very vague. He's like, you know, you need to just let go of your love for the baron. Like you can't, you can't let that influence you in the decisions you're making. And she takes such great offense to this that she does not talk to him for, like, the rest of the book just about.
0: Well, I think what he <laughs> says, I felt like this was justified for both of Like, I felt like they both handled it in a way that made sense to me. Because okay. he's like, hey, someone's sabotaging stuff. I get why if someone, like, why somebody would want to sabotage us if they were loyal to a nation. And mm. I also get why someone might do things for love because oh, they yes. think that. So basically he's like, I totally think that the Baron is behind this and has manipulated you into sabotaging stuff and not telling us what's going like. That Mm -hmm. he's not giving you all the information that this is going to end up with us all dead because we're not going to get rescued, and you think that you're helping him. Um, And she's, like, basically like, fuck you, I'm not an idiot. Uh, (laughs) So, I mean, like... With the information he has of, like, she's been seen going to his room multiple times and she was engaged to him, I can see why you would be like, yeah, okay, so she loves him and he's manipulating her and I'm just going to give her a heads up that, like, I know that she's doing it, so, like, maybe stop doing it, right? Like, I thought, you know, like, he wasn't like, hey, fuck you forever, you (sighs) traitor. And she wasn't, like, like, she was pissed about it because... Yeah, like th- that would be. He's basically assuming that she's like kind of a dumbass, right? Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. I think that they both reacted given given the information that they both had. Mm-mm.
1: I just think like he they've known each other for all of like two weeks, but he's in love
0: <laughs> and she's in love. But yeah, they they're both yet. in love
1: with each other. We find out at the end. Lis is like, I was in love with you the moment I opened my eyes in the bosom of the sea and saw you.
0: And my engagement <laughs> to the Baron was arranged by my aunt. Okay, <laughs> sure.
1: <laughs> yeah. So the Germans, <laughs> the Germans then mutiny. Uh, they they just. As, as all of the British people are coming down the ladder and entering the submarine, they're just taking them hostage, <laughs> locking them up and pointing guns at them, which is like, yeah, that would be super easy. It's kind of surprising it took you this long. Um, but they're defeated again because... Because they're 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 the Germans during World War One, so they're not gonna they're not gonna win anything, you guys. This does lead to
0: I think this is the point. It might have been earlier, but I just really mm. love this quote, um, where the Baron says, "There is only one place you can go, and that is Kiel. Oh, yeah. You can't land anywhere else in these waters. If you wish, I will take you there, and I can promise that you will be treated well." He responds, "There is another place we can go, and we will before we'll go to Germany. That place is hell." <laughs> like that's so such a hardcore thing to say, and such a weird way to phrase it. Such like, the formulation. a
1: formulation. Like, that comeback took way too long, Bo, and that guy already walked away. Like he I'm already like, walked away.
0: I am not even listening to
1: you. <laughs> He's like shouting down the the long U boat, hell hell that place did, is hell. did you hear me i said hell there's
0: another place we can go we'll go there before we go to germany it's hell did you get it did you get it when i said the other place it's hell old sport did you hear me hell <laughs> we're all going to hell i die before i go to germany did you get like, it shut
1: up bowen he the dog it. is barking didn't probably have
0: to explain it that much
1: oh my god <laughs> um so they eventually find out that it was this the second in command guy, uh, Benson, who was doing the sabotage, and his reason is that he just hates Americans.
0: His reason is because he's pro union.
1: Is that yes? All I all I remember is he's saying, "I did it because I hate you. I hate all your yes, kind." Yes, because
0: he's pro union. He's in the IWW. This is. Oh,
1: I missed that part.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Yeah, he says, I
0: did it alone. I did it because I hate you. I hate all your kind. I was kicked out of your shipyard at Santa Monica. I was locked out of California. I am an IWW. I became a German agent, not because I love them, for I hate them too, but because I wanted to injure Americans whom I hated more. I threw the wireless apparatus overboard. I destroyed the chronometer and the sextant. I devised a scheme for varying the compass to suit my wishes. I told Wilson that I had seen the Girl talking with von Schwabenworts, and I made the poor egg think he had seen her doing the same thing. I am sorry, sorry that my plans failed. I psych hate you.
1: <laughs> oh my god! So uh, hashtag Benson did nothing wrong? Question
0: <laughs> Benson was pro union and got kicked out of jobs because he was pro union. So he turned spy and then did a bunch of stupid shit.
1: Damn. He wasn't he he didn't come here to play. So
0: again, I feel like there might be some sort of political bent to this book, but I just didn't care. <laughs>
1: like... Yeah, it seems anti-union, right? Because he's yes. like the the villain for no reason. He's like, I would I'm sacrificing my life on this U boat to kill all you people who had nothing to do with me losing my job. Yes.
0: Unless perhaps maybe IWW meant something else and I'm uh confusing it. So I think that's what's going on here. Seems seems strange. Seems strange.
1: <laughs> strange. So cool. Yeah. Conclusion. He he's found out to to be the saboteur, and uh, actually, Liz is the is the one that finds that out. She's like, "Keep your eye on Benson. He's a he's a jerk off," and Bowen's like, "Whatever." But then Liz has to like shoot him. To kill him because yeah. he's about to kill Bowen, so.
0: And after she shoots him, he delivers that whole monologue. And then yes. dies. And
1: then <laughs> dies. His last words are like, now I lay me down to sleep. Yeah, 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 like yeah, yeah. Sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> they throw his dead body overboard.
0: I mean, what else are you going to do with it?
1: Yes. Um, unfortunately, this does not solve their problem because b- uh, Benson fucked up their shit so much that they're like, okay, we have, like, the sun and to navigate us, that's about it. And the stars. <laughs> and the stars, yeah. Um. So they're still trying to figure out where they are. They think they're going to, I think they're trying to get to like Argentina or something or uh, somewhere in South America. Uh, but they come across actually this, this strange landmass that is like completely surrounded by huge tall cliffs. And... Bowen is like, oh, I think I remember reading long ago about someone who discovered a continent called Caprona 200 years ago Mm. um, that said that they uh, it was just they were trying to get in and they couldn't. So they left.
0: There's a lot of like slumdog millionaire esque bullshit in this book of like, here is the thing that I was conveniently told and I will explain to you why I know this thing. And it's like, why, why did you, we didn't need this. We didn't need any of this. You could have just mm-hmm. said it's an island. We didn't need to like. We didn't need it to be like someone
1: 200 years ago already found this.
0: I mean, maybe this was like a thing. Maybe this is a real thing. I didn't bother looking it up. Maybe like Atlantis and how there's kind of like, not that Atlantis is real. That's not what I'm saying, guys. Um, But like it how is. there's. Sh- hush. <laughs> there's like, uh, like this, this sort of like long record of people looking for atlantis right so maybe there is an island that someone found Mm. at some point where it was like hey there was this weird island and we you know couldn't get in there and we made note of it you know um and caprona is a village in
1: tuscany okay so seems like but the caprona island is wikipedia entry is all about Okay. Island from So it's book. not it's not based on a real myth or anything. But there's also a Chronicles of Crestomancy book called The Magicians of Caprona. Mm-hmm. I've read it. It's pretty good. So yeah, that's about that's all. It's yeah. a
0: Romeo Juliet sort of vibe.
1: Mm. It mm, yeah. makes me a little bit less excited.
0: Yeah. I think the, the first couple Crestomancy books are the best ones. But anyway, mm-hmm. um all of this is neither here nor there.
1: <laughs> you like Diana Wynne Jones.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay sorry i understand this anna is brownie I just, bite blast i just to me. want everyone oh to know the situation right now anna mm-hmm. is currently in her air-conditioned house with mm-hmm. a brownie bite blast just They're living wearing her a life because the air conditioning wearing is a cold? sweater because meanwhile i have do you see <laughs> the sweat marks on this tank top It is disgusting. I'm I'm sitting in my non-air-conditioned upstairs with no fans on in order to provide the best possible (laughs) audio quality while I have to sit here and watch my co-host in a sweater eat a brownie bite blast, Mm. and I'm offended Mm. anyway.
1: It's so cold. Die. I hate you. I hate you and your kind. I hate you. This is
0: why I sabotaged the ship.
1: I, I am I'm sorry actually I not failed. recording right now, and I did it because I hate you. <laughs> um. So they sail. They sail around Caprona. They're trying to find a way in. All these cliffs are there. They find like a dead body that they think is man. Um, and so they're like, "Well, okay. So there has to be some way." into these cliffs, because there's someone, like, there's no way this person could have gotten onto the top of one of the cliffs and just died there if they came from a ship, whatever. So, we finally figure out, they just, they like, they see some foliage, like, floating around, and they're like, the hat, I mean, there's no trees around here. Where do those come from? So they taste the water, and they're like, hmm, fresh but tastes like shit. <laughs> <laughs> Me it's every like, hey, time I
0: make food. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, you yeah, bowen's like you ever drink pond water that was full of tadpoles that's what this tastes like and everyone's like oh yeah it is yeah,
0: i do that all the time because we're in the 1900 the early 1900s
1: <laughs> so so they're like oh fresh water though that must mean there's an underwater river guess what we're in a submarine Convenient. so Yeah, so 200 years ago, they couldn't have made it onto this island, but we can today. So they find the entrance to the underwater river, they sell up the river, immediately accosted by giant dinosaurs, almost die.
0: So many dinosaurs. At one point, there's like, there are thousands of dinosaurs rushing at this boat, and I'm like, I don't think that's correct, but okay. (laughs) It just seems like either they are very tiny dinosaurs and it's fine, or... Mm -hmm. It's not sustainable to have that many large dinosaurs on this small yeah, island.
1: I would believe like three, but they'd have to have like all their own territory. Like you can't yeah. just, all these predators aren't going to group together.
0: I mean, we don't know how dinosaurs work.
1: It's prehistory. <laughs> Very true. Could they, they could do anything really, honestly. Yeah, they knows? probably had cars and stuff. Yeah. Grocery that, stores.
0: That they powered with their feet. Oh no, mm-hmm, wait, that's mm-hmm. Flintstones. I've seen the Flintstones it's living <laughs> uh.
1: <laughs> there's also monkeys and other like prehistoric flora and fauna whatever there's also like a bunch of neanderthal like people that live there mm. um and they're kind of after so, so they they're attacked by these monsters dinosaurs they shoot them they get away um and now they're like okay but like now we have to try and survive and it becomes a little bit of a robinson aid but thank god we didn't have to do that for too long yes. because they meet a group of neanderthals they kidnap neanderthal i guess i should say <laughs> they meet in battle a group of neanderthals and they kidnap one and bring him back and then they like kind of recreate thanksgiving <laughs> i was gonna say
0: it's so funny you say meet versus kidnap because i'm like yeah basically this was exactly how it went down with early uh american settlers and you know, colonialism,
1: like, yes, cool, cool, cool. Yes. <laughs> We're just, <laughs> that white man's burden here We're on the island of Caprona. <laughs>
0: show up and are
1: like, you're here to help us, right? Yeah. Right? Now we subjugate you. <laughs> <laughs> you God. work for us now. <laughs> I don't think because I Because you do? are low people or high beast. I mm-hmm. can't tell. Can't quite tell the difference.
0: Mm-mm. Wow, that was some rough stuff, huh? When that... <laughs>
1: yeah um (laughs) this guy this guy just straight up says you know there's still some of those low type of people living in the philippines i was like wow why you gotta call me out like that that's (laughs) what does that mean low people well,
0: I think he, he are you goes talking about our and, brow ridge. <laughs> I think he goes on to say specifically, uh, low people is in on the evolutionary scale, yeah, which is yeah, <laughs> or not beast. a great look, not a great look. I'm just gonna go ahead and put that out. They're here. so
1: primitive there; they can't possibly, no, they can't possibly measure to civilized Americans and. British people. White people. 1916. White people yeah. specifically. Because then they do, as
0: we go on through this tour of man, uh, I might be jumping into your
1: summary a little bit here, but basically no. the way this, this is at the point where I also was just making a list of things that happened.
0: Great, great. Uh, basically the, the way this island works, and it's not super clear in this book, but it becomes more clear it's in... It's
1: like the Hall of Presidents.
0: Yeah, it's like <laughs> the way this island works is that people can evolve on the island. So like mm-hmm. you start at like a uh, Neanderthal sort of level and you go up through the different stages of man. Mm-hmm. So he encounters several. So they'll say stuff like, Oh, we're going to be Galu, which is like mm-hmm. basically a uh, Neolithic man. Right. Yes. Um So he encounters these different groups of people. He doesn't
1: get to the Galu. I don't think in this book no. uh, and all the groups of people are like named after The type of weapon they use. So, like, we start at the hatchet men and then go up to, like, spearmen and then bowmen. Right. right.
0: Um, But we also get a lot of comparisons of these groups to various uh, currently extant uh, ethnic groups. Um, Specifically, black folk. He makes a lot of comparisons between skull shape and face shape to uh, people living today and are like, yeah, they look like black people except they're white. And I'm like, cool. This is very fucked up. <laughs>
1: is what this is.
0: 100%. So, you know, just just want to go ahead and put that out there just to say we we know it was is is fucked up this book. Um Mhm. As are a lot of books from this time period. Yeah. Not making an excuse for it, just, you no. know. No. No just
1: pointing it out just pointing it out obligatory and
0: saying huh that was fucked fucked wasn't it
1: yep uh so their new issue is that they're stranded in this island place because they have no gas they can't get back even if they wanted to so bowen is like hey germans let's call a truce uh there's no point in fighting if we're all about to die and they're like okay (laughs) cool so they survive together for a while. They learn how to speak the language of the Neanderthal people and the other various evolutions of man that are there. Um, and I think too, I don't know, did I don't know if we mentioned this, but like they become increasingly more advanced versions of humans as the further you get yes. to the center of the island. Yeah. So to the point, like their word for south is back to the beginning or something, mm-hmm. and the they're, they're they're like you can't. There is no there is nothing back there. Like you like can not go allowed backwards. to go you back. Can only go forward yeah. or something. Yeah. So they set up a base. They call it Camp Dinosaur.
0: <laughs> Yo, I mean, I guess none of the pe- this was a bunch of soldiers and Navy folk and a submarine builder. None of them were poets. None clearly. of them. Not-
1: <laughs> <laughs> also, Liss and Bowen fall in love, I guess. They admit that they have fallen mm-hmm. in love and loved each other. They kiss. So <laughs> they're doing a great job of surviving. And then one day, the head of the German crew discovers oil on the island and so they're like let's build a refinery hooray bowen uh, at the news of this goes out hunting for some meat and while he's gone the germans decide to mutiny again but they actually steal the submarine this time so i guess they get away
0: uh you will be relieved to know that they don't in book three the dude who goes off on the expedition by himself meets up with them and gets the submarine back
1: Nice. And that's how I Good believe. Good job, Bradley.
0: Everyone gets off the island at the end. Even Bowen and Liz. Bowen and Liz get off the island. Uh, the main character of book two and his girlfriend, who is a Galu, uh, who supposedly is not allowed to leave the island because she was born Galu and it's too important. She decides to fuck off and leave. Um, and then the <laughs> the guy Porting and my
1: ass. The
0: guy and his Galu. The guy who's the expedition leader and his Galu girlfriend also fuck
1: off and leaves. So everybody leaves. Um, so the submarine is gone. Sad. Also, Lys goes missing. Bowen decides that one of the native population must have kidnapped her. So he goes in search of her. I think there's, like, Guys, footprints or
0: something. Like,
1: yeah, footprints, like, scraps of cloth or hair or something. A like, note Guys, I know that's we like have. like,
0: written in crayon that says, like, I am a Neanderthal. I took your wife.
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> I really thought it was going to be, like, Liz went with the Germans, but made it look like she was kidnapped. <laughs> but yeah, so he's like, guys, I know, I know that we have this huge crisis with the submarine being gone. Half of our group is gone on an expedition. I gotta go find my girlfriend though. So he leaves. He goes on a grand adventure to find her. Um, this very easily could have been the most exciting part of the book, but like I said, really undercut by the fact that the author was just like, here's what happened. One, I left. Two, I walked. <laughs> Three, I found her. <laughs> like,
0: well, just like... And then there's also, there's this weird, like, so, okay. Again, we have this framework of, like, a guy found this diary, essentially, in a thermos. Mm-hmm. And the first part is kind of kept more or less as a diary. But then we get to this part, and he's, like, the beginning of the chapter, I think chapter seven or so, he's, like... I am so sad. I've never been this sad in my whole life. I'm just going to finish writing this and then go die. And then, like, we get all of this part. And then, like, he it's not even, like, at a chapter break. It's, like, at a weird point. He writes a paragraph where he's like, so I'm going to put this in a thermos and be done. Just kidding. I'm back from writing that last paragraph. It's yeah. several <laughs> days later, but I've thrown away the device where I write the date on a different entry. Um So, I'm just here and I'm here to tell you it all worked out okay. I'm like, what is
1: this? It truly, like, the author was just like, I'm done with Bowen. I want to write the next story. I I realize I've written myself into a corner here. I don't like it. I can't get out because this is a serialized novel. I can't take back what everyone's already read. Just like the only way out is through. You can't go back to the beginning. Just like. Sorry. It's not going to make sense and it's going to be improbable. bowen finds liss for the first time uh god there's like uh, some she has been carted away by an individual who's like i'm going to marry this she uh the she is mine no one can take her away from me and bowen's like bet and he shoots him
0: (laughs) and then like another dude is like well i took her and you can't get me because you're far away. And you killed that other guy when no, you were he standing next to him. And Bowen's <laughs> no like, excuse. And he shoots him. And he shoots him.
1: <laughs> so they both like, I've killed two of your men. Give us safe passage here tonight. Let us sleep in the caves with you before the night dinosaurs come and get us. And they're like, okay, Jesus. So... <laughs> <laughs> um, they, they, like, live there for a while, I guess. But he has to, like, he goes off hunting one day and then gets lost and can't find his way back to where he left Lys and the other Neanderthals. Um,
0: there's some weird thing with, like, the women all have to hang out in a pool. And yeah, I like thought. like, a weird
1: bathing pool. Yeah,
0: I thought what it was was the pool was the thing that made you, like, advance. Yeah. And that Lys was going to become, like, a superhuman or something. But no, right. it's just like they all just hang out in a pool all day. And I'm like, I mean, I guess
1: that's tight. But, like, don't they have jobs? Nah, ma'am, That's all <laughs> the men folk do. Women just get to chill. <laughs> Women just, just hang, hang out in their pool. whirlpool. All right. <laughs> <laughs> um, he Bowen wanders around. He finds the graves of some of the British dudes. And he's like, I'm sad. This fucking sucks. Lost my girl. Lost my friends. Can't find his way back to Liss or to the original Camp Dinosaur. So he says, I'm just going to climb up this cliff face and make a little home for myself in the (laughs) caves. I'm going to throw my story into a thermos in the ocean. uh, See if anyone ever finds me. But one night he hears some yelling outside and he's like, I know, I know, I know in my heart that is the voice of Liss. And he looks outside and he goes, ha, got it. I was right. She's being chased by another of the Neanderthal men. So Bowen once again takes out his gun and shoots that man and saves Lys. And Lys climbs up the cliff to join him because she has learned how to climb during her time with the Neanderthals. She's like, look at me. Look what I can do. And she climbs (laughs) up the whole cliff. And Bowen's like, I'm very impressed. They decide to live a life together here on this cliff. They marry themselves to each other. Um, and I guess just decide they're never going to try and reunite with Camp Dinosaur. (laughs) They're just like, we live here now. This is our fate. Sorry. Cool.
0: Great for you guys. There's also a part where like at one point he goes to one of the evolutions and like is like, what up? I am here. And the guy who's he's in like starts beating one of his seven wives and he's like, no, no, don't do that. And oh yeah. S- and so he's like well, fuck you both then, and the wife is like let's run away together cuz I'm about to become a galu anyway. Yeah, so... she's like I'd
1: rather be with you than him. And this but is when like, we get like a, a lot way. of the
0: info dumping of like what's up with the whole like they all evolve sort of stuff. So yeah. it's like it comes up in the book, but it doesn't matter. And it just kind of seems like it was a cool like a cool idea that he had.
1: Yeah. He's like, I'd expand on that, but I don't feel like it. I don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Cool, Edgar Rice Burroughs.
0: Just a lot of ideas. Which, again, makes, I guess, as we're wrapping up here, kind of gets me back to, like, does this count as prehistorical? Because it's like, Mm -hmm. yes, there are dinosaurs here and cave people, but, like, also the cave people behave in such a fantastical way in which they, like, evolve throughout their lifetime that it seems Mm -hmm. like... Not anymore to me, where I'm like, well, this isn't this yeah. is really like a real prehistorical thing. like there weren't there weren't magically evolving cave people. like f- evolution at that scale is not a historical thing that is a purely science fiction thing. Mm-hmm. So I don't know.
1: yeah, I, I feel like maybe if we had spent more time on Caprona and spent more mm-hmm. time getting to know how it worked, it would have felt more natural but yeah it just it just seems like this kind of gimmicky thing uh we don't really get a sense for what the lifestyle would have been like in this prehistoric fakey prehistoric world right yeah it's like prehistoric in the sense that it has been preserved because of the because of the land the way the cliffs have grown around it right basically has preserved this area in time um so uh, i don't know it kind of like kind of like the the highlander time slip like it's not really time slip because he did just go through time normally. Mm-hmm. He was just asleep. It's kind of like it's not really prehistoric cuz like they're in history but it's like the prehistoric people in modern history. Yeah, so.
0: it's like is Westworld a western, right? Of like yeah. well, it's got all the trappings yeah. of a western. But but then you find then out Then there's this framing device.
1: Yeah. 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 I don't know.
0: I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. we'll have we'll have more to say on that when we read the last one in this uh unit.
1: Yes. Yes. I'm glad we got to read, like, an older example yeah. of it, though. Yeah.
0: I, I, even though, again, not my cup of tea. Um, no.
1: Absolutely not for me.
0: This is short. It was a easy breezy read, so I'm not
1: too mad about it. Fair. Uh, But let's talk about what's coming up next. Let's move on. Let's travel through time to the future. Indeed.
0: Next week, we've got uh, another Morph Monday with Animorphs number 45, The Revelation. The week after that, I believe we will be back with uh, wrapping up
1: my unit on The Great American Novel. So, for our third and final book in The Great American Novel Unit, um, there was some deliberation because M had read the first three books I had picked for this. Sorry. So, no, it's fine. Perhaps I'm
0: wider read than I thought. Yeah,
1: clearly. <laughs> We're going to be reading The Book of Unknown Americans by Christina Enriquez. Cool. Which, yeah, it sounds very heartbreaking.
0: Love that.
1: (laughs) Yay. (laughs) (laughs) In the meantime, if you have a book that you would like us to cover on the podcast, either because you think we would love it or hate it, you can tweet at us at ShelfAwareCast or email us ShelfAwareCast at gmail.com. As always, thank you to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel in our show notes below. We are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregators. So if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those, you definitely should. Otherwise, I am going to... I'm going to... I'm going to... I'm going (sighs) to... If you use Apple Podcasts, we very much appreciate a (laughs) five-star review. But if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on that, uh, what am I saying? If you use Apple Podcasts, we very much appreciate a five-star review. But if you don't, that's all right, because you're allowed to talk about us anywhere on the internet you would like.
0: In the words of Edgar Rice Burroughs, Here lies John Tippett, Englishman killed by Tyrannosaurus, 10 September A.D. 1916. (laughs) R.I.P. Absol- <laughs> Absolutely wild. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. I'm enjoying more ice cream, sir. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs>